0: So, uh, super excited. For those of you who don't know, Dan was the lead pastor here for 20, 20 years. years. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, there's a lot of you here, I know, who know him, some who don't. Uh, but we're <laughs> super excited to have you here this morning bringing a message in our series on Galatians. And uh, can I pray for you before you sure. get going? please do. Uh, God, thank you so much for bringing Dan here. Thank you so much for the leadership he has had and the influence in this church, God, just spreading your name, your message, your truth, your love, God. And here he's doing the same thing. So, God, God, I just pray that you give him the words that will just uh, hit our hearts, hit our minds, and uh, just give us the challenge to go from this place transformed, God, to know you better, God, but also to be excited and on fire about that relationship with you, that we can share that with our friends and family, and uh, those all around us, God, our neighbors too. So we just pray that you bless this morning, God, and uh, we believe that your presence is here. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Good. Oh yeah, old school. I need something. I need a crutch. So it's good. Hey, you guys have a good man in Grant here and and um uh, glad that he's stuck through all this whole strange 3 years that we've had uh, you know, it's uh on February 2nd in 2020, we moved out and we let the pandemic move in. And uh thank you're welcome. We 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 blessed you with that and uh it was, it, it's been a strange three years and so now to come back here nearly three years later, it just feels good to sit in these chairs, doesn't it? It just feels good to be here with friends and uh, and sing together with you, be part of this and just to be around and, and thank you for giving me the opportunity just to come back here and, and jaw at you for a little while and, and just say what's in my heart and where we're going and it's just, it's just so nice, it really is. Uh, the expectations, uh, you forgive me for breaking all your expectations because it wasn't that great. Uh, I was not the best speaker you ever had, I was a speaker you had for a long time. And you couldn't get rid of me until I got out of the way and then you moved on and that's good. So uh, it's just good and I'm glad that we can be here and be part of it. I don't want to talk about me today, I want to talk about uh, a very core way of making our life count uh, in this world. I think everybody wants to be valuable. Want to, you want to feel valued. You want to be a person who feels like you contribute, that you're part of, that you're, that you're involved in something that has value in this world. Uh, something that you, you can give to that helps you through with that. Uh, and faith in a believer's life, and as a believer in Christ, Faith is my number one issue. Uh, It's not faith as a noun, but faith as a verb. Not faith as, oh, I have faith, as in I'm religious, but faith that I have trust, I have faith, that the God that I bow to is going to actually be involved in my life, and I'm going to be able to make a difference in this world because I trust what he is doing in my life. Faith is the core of our salvation. Uh, Without faith, uh, Paul says, without faith it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you can't come into that saving relationship with Jesus Christ and into eternity with God. You must have faith at the core, and it needs to be seen in our lives that faith needs to be seen in our lives, in the very core, in the decisions, in the values, in the relationships, in the people around us. That faith needs to be seen there. And our faith has to count. It has to have some value to it. Now, this is where it gets confusing in Christian life, because we say there's nothing, Jesus plus nothing, gives us salvation. But Jesus plus nothing equals faith. It really does. It has a change in life. It moves us differently. It moves us forward. I don't mean to finish Grant's equation here. He started this. He he needs to finish it off. But really, we need to recognize that Jesus plus nothing brings us into relationship, uh, an accurate relationship with God, But it needs to be seen in the way we live. So the passage I want to look at today is in Galatians, of course. That's where we're at. And I'm at the end of chapter 5. I think uh, I might be ahead of things. I don't know. I just picked this passage a few months ago when we said, okay, I'll preach this passage and we'll take it. End of chapter 5 begins, uh, verse 25 begins this way, and then I'll read down to 6, verse 10. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let's not become conceited provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself. Uh, but let each one test him, his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each one will have to bear his own load. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from his flesh, will from his flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows in the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's just look at this passage for a little bit. Uh, this, this passage right here, this, this first uh, verse, verse 25, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. You know, we kind of treat that mystically, don't we? Walking by the Spirit. That's sort of, ooh, we're walking by the Spirit. Uh, what does that mean? Is that someone who is able to live in the realm of a completely different world, who sees things and, you know, any of you Matrix fans? Ma- the old Matrix movies? Is that too old? I love that old movie. That's living in a different world between the two, right? The reality is people living in capsules, feeding some sort of computer intelligence, but they dream like they're living in this world. And and sometimes we treat walking in the spirit like, man, we're 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 living in a different world out there. This is the world that God gave us. We got to live in this world. We think maybe sometimes living in the spirit is someone who has divine powers that we can't explain. You know, they're able to walk up and rebuke evil, and they, they, on the command, they bring healing, and they do. That happens in this world. But look around. It's, it's not the norm that we see out there. Is that bad? Is that wrong? Well, let's look into that a little bit and ask, is that really what the value is when Paul's, when the, when the writer here says, let us also walk by the Spirit. We live by the Spirit, we walk by the Spirit. Let's not become, the next verse I think is important to tie to this one. Let's not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Don't take these two verses separately. They connect right back up into into the verses previous, when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Let's not take these two verses separate. Live by the Spirit. Oh yeah, by the way, don't hurt each other. Let's think about this for just a little while. If the opposite of walking in the Spirit is practical, why is not walking in the Spirit practical? Why is it not just the same idea? If not walking in the Spirit is being conceited, provoking one another, and envying one another, then let's do the math. Let's put the equation together. Walking in the Spirit would say, I'm not conceited, instead I am careful of people around me. What's the opposite of being conceited? Humility. Caring for each other. Loving each other. Working in each other's life. Let's not provoke each other, but let's learn how to encourage each other. Let's not envy one another, but instead let's learn how to be glad when good things are going on in each other's lives. Let's live by a spirit that says, let's do this in the positive side of this rather than in the negative side. Let's care about each other. Walk in the spirit. There is a mystical side of that because that's not who we are. That's really not who we were, anyway, before Jesus Christ got a hold of our lives and he put the Spirit in our lives and said, let's make you a new creation, a new person. And he said, let's take this out. And to want to get rid of that, because this world would just say, hey, listen, just, you got to go get what you can. Get what you can. I, live, I, live, I work in a, uh, with a team of people. For those of you who don't know, it's kind of, my wife finds me kind of creepy with this a little bit, but I work in the back of a funeral home now. I'm a dispatcher in a funeral home. I send people out on rides. I, I, I get the, the people to pick up the bodies from, from uh, hospitals and from homes and whatever. It's kind of a creepy job in most people's mind. It's a great job. I really like it. It's, it's, it's administrative, which I never thought I was good at, and all of a sudden I'm good at it. I think, praise the Lord, God's done something different in my life, changed me and moved me on. But I work with this team of people who aren't all... Most of them aren't believers. And I see this, this whole idea of you need to take care of yourself before you take care of others. Really good people. I really like the team I'm with. They're just amazing, good people. And if they're watching at all, maybe I'll tell them to watch this, this video. Great people. But at the same time, the core of what we want as believers needs to be that which says, I want Jesus. I want people to see Jesus in my life. I want that to be there. I want that to happen. And then our writer turns the corner and says, Brothers, but the idea is everybody out there. If anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. So what... Our writer says here right now is, okay, I want you to walk here and not there. And here's some very practical ways I want you to do it. I want you to walk this way and not that way. I want you to go in this direction, walking in the Spirit, in this life of faith, in this life of trusting God. I want you to walk in the Spirit. I want you to walk this way. First of all, I want you to be people who restore. You know, this world is full of judgment. Right? We've, if, if we've learned nothing over the past three years, is people want to judge. There's judgment everywhere. Judgment on all sides. And, and I'm sad to say the church has been just as judgmental as the, as the non-church. The world is full of judgment. We're judging people all the time. Well, yeah, you can't do this, you can't do that. And the naysayers and the, the, the people, are just the way things are going, and the Bible says, if someone's caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. What's a spirit of gentleness? When was the last time you had a spirit of gentleness with somebody? I think it was probably not when you had a stick in your hand, right? The the day the guy was trying to peek in our back window, and uh, he had a ladder up against our back window here on Cherry Street. I, I don't even think you were around then, Nathan. I don't know if my neighbor then... He, a, he took my ladder, he propped it up against our back window, and he's trying to peek in. My wife heard something. I said, nah, nobody out there. Nah, there's no... Who, what? So I went and looked, and here was the ladder propped against, and I could see his shadow. He was standing down below, and the, the downstairs light was on, and his shadow was shining over on the fence. I went, well, that's not good. So. Uh, I I stuck my head out and I looked and he heard me and I saw him run up the side of the house and I ran out the front door as fast as I could and it just so happened there was a metal-handled mop sitting by the front door. What do you think I grabbed? It wasn't my Bible. The mop had a longer reach and I chased him down the road with that thing in my arms and my cheetah-like sprint that lasted for like 50 feet I got up the end of the driveway into the past the neighbor's house, and I could see three little lines in the back of his head here. And they all said, Hit me. It was like a little mouth, three that hit me, hit me, hit me. But my cheetah like sprint. And, and the pastor said, Great, I'm tired of doing the gardening. Let, let's let this guy do the gardening. So he got out there and he started digging and moving and doing stuff. And not everybody was happy with what was going on. People like different colors. They wanted different plants. They wanted things things done differently. Does that happen around the church? Somebody starts doing something and somebody says, you know, it would look a little bit better. You know, I'm not just saying. I'm just saying if you did it this way, it would be much better for the rest of us. And the pastor said, you know what? Volunteering plus effort equals the right to make the choice. That's really a good equation. A volunteer steps up and says, you know, I want to step in. Now, there's got to be some guidance in that, obviously, you know, uh, there's there's things you can go way out there. But leadership working together with a volunteer says, "Uh, go for it. Go that direction. You do it. Volunteers need support. They need the good thing at that point in time, might not be money, But it might be somebody saying, let me help you. Let me step up alongside you. Let me just encourage you. I can't do that, but hey, good for you. Uh, Hey, you need some cash in order to plant those flowers? Here's a little bit of money. Go ahead and do that. Just people who will step up and be part of the person who's stepped forward. All leaders need to be supported. Uh, When we were in Manitoba, we worked along lay ministry. That's another set of leaders that are out there, and, and they would, uh, those preachers, so, so the church had been existent 50 years. In the first 25 years, they had two lay ministers. These are pastors who just gave their heart, two guys, two men, who gave their heart to ministry, and they had farms beside. So they farmed, and in their spare time, Which probably crept into their work time. They did ministry and they preached and they got things ready and they led. And then 25 years later, I think the church passed a hymn book around and uh, everybody put a a voters. I forget how it did it, but they 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 pulled numbers. I think out of the hymn book and those people were chosen. Those two men were chosen to be leaders. I like that hymn book choice. And. these two men served for 25 years. So 50 years, they had four men who led. And how did they get paid? Probably in pigs and chickens more than anything. Home-baked cooking, a little bit of this. It was. They were a very giving church. Uh, the first Christmas we were there, we were very surprised. The, they had a Christmas tree in the front. They loaded up the Christmas tree with presents. And we thought, oh great, they give each other presents here. And then when the service was done, they emptied all those presents into the trunk of our 71 Chevelle and in the back seat, and we were just full of all the gifts they gave. They gave to those pastors, those four pastors over 50 years, they just gave them what they could, when they could. Maybe, maybe they helped them with the grain, uh, bringing it in. Maybe they gave, filled up, you know, topped up their grain bins because they didn't have time to do the work themselves. But they cared about them for 50 years. And they worked with That was lay ministry. That's, that's how pastors worked for many years. Now we have staff in, in leadership and, and uh, paid staff that need the support and welcome along the way. And good for Grant that he stepped up and he's helping out with all these things. And, and good for the staff that are out there to help out. And I just want to say for the 20 years we were here, we never had a complaint about salary. You guys did well. Thank you for that, thank you for your, your gift and your encouragement and for, hel- and for just helping us get set and to move forward. Keep doing the same for Grant. He can't stand up here and say, please take care of me. It's a, it's a very humbling position to say, oh man, I need you to do more for me and I have no idea what you're paying Grant. I'm, I'm not, I've not talked this over with him, I haven't said, listen, you guys need to do better for Grant." Nothing of the sort. I don't know what you're doing. You did well for us. Do well for him. Be very concerned about that, especially in this culture right now, when it's hard to step up into ministry. It's hard for young men and young women to step up into ministry. It's difficult. The years of, of college and the training and the whatever that you have to go through, It's not like when I step, you wouldn't hire me now. People want something different now. They want a different set of skills and different abilities. Be very careful to encourage that and to grow that and to sharpen that in your leadership right now. Be very careful in how you do that. Now that's my I'm not gonna rag on that for Grant here, but that's just my plea for you with Grant, whoever you might hire in the the, the positions that you have, be very careful that you care about them. Uh, Just springing off this passage here right now. Just be very careful. If you're getting something, you need to give equally to that. It must be there. Because, and if if you keep going on here in this, you'll see that Sowing produces a harvest. It gives you something. God will always outgive what we do. Always. Not a chance. Generosity encourages the heart of both the giver and the receiver. Take it. Enjoy it. Live in it. Find a great joy in being that person who's in there. Be it in all your life. And then he ends this passage by, let us not grow weary of doing good. Do good, not weary. You know this world, again, uh, I don't, you know, I'm I'm getting older in life and I start saying, you know, when I was young, you know, you know the saying, right? And I used to listen to people older than me say that. And one day, You're going to say that if you aren't already, right? It's just the way it is. Things feel so overwhelming sometimes. Let's not grow weary in doing good. This world can easily make us tired. We can't give enough. We just can't give enough. You know how I know that's true? God gave his Son. God gave Jesus Christ into this world and Jesus gave everything he had until he was dying on a cross and the world still wanted more. It will always be that way. Believers in Jesus Christ who are walking by faith need to be people who recognize Jesus plus nothing is enough. It's enough. And we need to learn to live with that. Oh, you know, I would love to be filthy rich with everything in front of me and just anything I wanted, whenever I wanted it. It, Oh, It would be an amazing thing to... Wouldn't Wouldn't I be a good person for that to happen to? Just everybody pray that God will do that for Dan and Linda, that we'll be filthy rich and we can do so many good things for so many people. All your prayers, God's certainly going to listen to that, right? And God says, you know what, maybe, maybe, maybe what you need is just keep doing good and not get tired of it. Don't get tired. It's easy to get tired. The more years we put behind us, the easier it is to be tired. It's true. Aches and pains, sore joints, Things don't change, life just keeps going on, and we thought it would be different, this and that. You know, we did this in this person's life, and we gave them everything we could, and we did what we, and they still got mad at us for no reason, right? Let's not grow weary in doing good. Let's not grow weary. For everyone, do good for everyone. Don't grow weary. As you have opportunity, let's do good to everyone. Who's the everyone? At work? Right? The people you work with that want more out of you? Just do good in their life. Don't be their savior. Right? You're not Jesus to them. You're the person who knows Jesus. And even more so, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Especially. Especially. Encouraging faith is part of our life. We made the decision in Yarrow when we were there. uh, There was a a gift from an elderly couple, lived on pension their whole lives, stone deaf. They were the greatest people for me to go visit. I just loved them. They lip read Low German. Do I know Low German? Not a word. We had the best visits. His teeth would rattle around while he wasn't saying anything. And it was, oh, I just loved going to visit them. When they passed away, these two people, stone deaf their whole lives, never held a decent job, gave $93,000 to the church. Off their pensions. $93,000. We took a third of that and we said, let's bring a family into Canada that's needing help, because that's what happened to these guys. And we brought a family in from Burma. Why did we choose them? One of the men stood up in the congregation and said, this family from Burma are believers. We need to do good to everyone, especially to people of the household of faith. They need our help. I'm to Burma. Still friends with Mia. Mia and Lulu and John and Kida. John and Keeler were married. Unfortunately, John's marriage broke up. Keela's married, has a couple of the cutest little twins he ever saw, and we're still friends. Just love these people, especially of the household of faith. Let's care about people where we can. Let's love them. Where do we go from here? Well, let's go back to talking about making our life count, making our faith count. Walk in the Spirit, Is impossible without Jesus grace and the Spirit's presence. You cannot begin to walk in the Spirit before you meet Jesus. Once you meet Jesus, the Spirit of God comes into our lives and it's at that point the grace of God takes over and we begin to walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit as the core of our faith is attached to the grace of Jesus. If we are not understanding Jesus plus nothing. We're not going to walk in the Spirit. We're going to walk in our flesh. We might be trying to do the best, best things. We might be great motivations, great whatever. But to be there in the Jesus moment of walking in the Spirit saying, without Jesus, I can't do this. Walk in the Spirit is not just a mystical thing. It's the daily choice of doing simple things that honor Jesus' gift and the Father's love. Yes, I want to say right now there is a mystical side to walking in the Spirit. That we are batting well above our average, that we are deeper into this, that our knowledge understands, that God moves farther, faster, more encouraging, more more graciously than we ever could in our lives. There's a mystical side of things. And in some people's lives, that is a spiritual gift of going, be healed. when it happens. I understand that. Some people have this ability to see and and speak into people's lives and, and, and go that way. I get it. But for us, Every day, all the time, walk in the Spirit means start being that person who recognizes that this is the way that Jesus has taught me to live. He's taught me to live in ways that are positive, that care, that love, that touch people's lives. The greatest part about who God is is that he loves. He loves me. He loves you. He loves us. That's what we're to live in caring about people in their lives. We're living way above our pay grade in this. Uh, We have way more that God would have for us in Jesus Christ. But that's where we get to live. And that's where the miracle of Jesus is. I'm going to end this then. We'll be done when we're here. And I was just going to mention here right now to... uh, Peter talked to me before the service about my friend Mike Weins. Uh Mike Weans is in the in palliative care. Lesions on his brain. He had. He told me a year ago he had cancer, and it's gone really bad. Some of you remember Mike, uh, Walter and Eileen's son, Mike, and uh, he's my friend. I just wanted you to remember that and to pray for him and to do that. And. Uh, with See what we can do about getting that me I'll make Peter do this. Make sure the, the bulletin knows so it gets into the bulletin. Make it happen. but pray for them. Yeah. so but let's end with this. just a simple blessing that helps us understand where we're at and walking in the spirit. This was a benediction that Ed Gertsen used to leave on the congregation years ago, just a simple one. Nothing. Magnificent No clouds parting, earth rendering. Uh, everything shook when it happened. But yet it moved me. I think it moves each of us when we understand. this simple little blessing that I just want to leave on you right now is a prayer of blessing over you. Father, I just pray that the grace, the abounding, wonderful, free but costly grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love, the deep, deep love of you, our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit who walks with us, who prods us, who pokes us, who pulls us, who moves us, would rest and abide on each one of us on this day, in the week ahead, And as we walk from here into that eternal moment, when we get to look on the face of Jesus fully unhindered and understand this was an amazing, amazing gift. In these names we pray. Amen. Go in grace. Enjoy your day.